invite Walter to come up here to the front. Walter is a dear friend, and he's been a blessing in my life and my family's life with his teaching uh, that he has done already in this church. And so this is our first opportunity for him to be here maybe at the pulpit. And I was blessed this morning in the first service, and glad we get to hear him a second time. So. Thanks so much, Delton. Yep. Appreciate that. First of all, thank you, church, for praying for me and allowing me to overcome the fear of speaking the God's word. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we, we humble ourselves before you and we, we beg for your mercy on us, Father. Bring your, your word to each one of our hearts, Lord, to your church. Show us uh, the next step to do, next step to take. Lord, uh, we, we trust in you. We don't want to we hold back by our fears, and uh, we want to continue the beautiful work that has been done here at Calvary with faithfulness and uh, so that our predecessors uh, would be proud of what we are doing here. Thank you, Lord Jesus, we pray in your son's precious name. Amen. Have you ever had someone in your life that made a difference in what you are today? Think about it. By the grace of God, I did. His name was Alan Hansom. He was a pastor in a small town called Carrollton, Texas, the northern suburb of Dallas, Texas. He was teaching, he was preaching there, he was the pastor there for over 18 years. He was a highly educated man. He had this theological degree, a doctor degree from Dallas Seminary. Not a theological seminary. His grandfather and father, they're both pastors. Alan was a third generation pastor. And I got to know Alan, and one day he was passing through my store, and he saw some Brazilian merchandise that I used to export to the United States. And he came in and started speaking with me with fluent Portuguese. I was surprised. I said, Are you Brazilian? He looked totally Anglo. He said, No, no, no. My father was a missionary in Campinas. So I grew up as a kid in, in, in Campinas. And, and throughout the years, we, we turned out to be good friends, very good friends. We traveled together. But uh, with the excuse of speaking Portuguese with me, Alan would come visit me quite often. And uh, he always would answer with a lot of enthusiasm about his faith and about the Word of God. And as I got to know Alan, he was the first man that truly lived according or desired to live according to everything that's written here. So in one of those trips, I remember like today, those beautiful country roads to get to Salem, Missouri. And as we get there, Alan had friends all over the Bible Belt. And we stayed with his friends, and of course I was with him, so I was very, well, very welcome. And got to know wonderful people. And... We decided to go canoeing, beautiful, crystal clear water creek. And as we talked throughout the day and throughout the trip, I remember making a big decision. I said, oh, I'm going to come back and tell Bridget that we need to take the kids to church. It would be a great thing for them to learn morality. And, and that's what we did the next Sunday. We got there, and as we arrived, they took us to this large room, and people sit in a circle, everybody with a Bible. Uh, just so you understand, Bridget and I, we're, we're born Catholics. So we, we grew up Catholics. And uh, 
so people are studying the Bible, and I was wondering, say, is this their kind of mess? And the other thing is, what happened with my friend Alan? And then we kept going, and they took the kids away from us. They said, okay, they're safe. They took the kids, <laughs> took the kids somewhere, and, uh, and then we kept studying. Then it was over. Then they led us through the sanctuary, and there we realized that we were one hour earlier from the time because of the daylight savings. So we got right into the Bible study, and I was really fascinated about what the God's Word had to say. And so we kept coming back. And after three years, we accept Christ in our hearts. We repent, confess, repent, and accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior. And uh, nine months after that, God took my, Alan, my friend Alan home. He passed away in a motorcycle accident with 42 years old. I was truly devastated. I just, he was a really good friend. And of course, my selfish being, who am I going to ask this important Bible questions to now? So I even tried some of Alan's friends that I got to know through, the, through our trips. It never worked out. Our relationship was different. And uh, we're going to see now, I was about to learn that God was doing a new thing in my life. About 2,700 years ago, through the prophet Isaiah, God gave us a kind of a road map, uh, instructions and comfort on how to deal with new things when we perceive it. Forget, let's open our Bibles on uh, Isaiah 43. And we're going to focus on verses 18 to 21. It's a beautiful chapter. I recommend, if you have any time, read it, the whole thing. But today we're going to be going from verses 18 to 21. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I'm doing a new thing. Let me tell you, this is God's warning for us. But God's not telling us to forget the past. How could we possibly forget the trials and the, the goodness that God has done to us? How can we possibly forget the wonderful things that has been, has been done here at Calvary? We can't. That's not what God's talking about. He's talking about attitude. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. He doesn't want us to be all the good old times. No, God wants us to pursue it, to pursue what He has new for us when we perceive it. We can see in Philippians 3, 13, 14, brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what's behind and straining towards what's ahead. I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me. Heavenly word in Christ Jesus. That's very clear here. Paul is talking about the attitude for us to keep going. doesn't matter the past. Yes, of course, the past makes what we are today. Hebrews 12.1, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, we're going to talk about that later, let us throw off everything that hinders in the sin. That's very important too that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. 
Brothers and sisters, again, God is telling us the attitude that we should get going. Just to confirm that, in Hebrews 13, 7 and 8, God tells us, Remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their life and imitate their faith. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. How can we forget the wonderful thing that Pastor Bill and Mary, Pastor Nathaniel, our loving pastor, just gave us, sent us his love? How can we forget them? No, we can't. But God tells us with the right attitude, pursue what he has in store for us. It's the attitude. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. God does not leave us in the past. See the next phrase. See, I'm doing a new thing. That's clear that God has a plan. God has a plan. God has a plan for me. has a plan for you. For all of us that believe in him. It's a perfect plan. The other thing too is we have been made perfect to fulfill his plan. To fulfill his will in our lives. Back on Texas again. After this event with Alan. We, we went to a church called the Arapahoe Baptist Church. Which by the way it was right behind our house. You could see it from the alley. At the time I was still going to Alan's church. I could see it being built. And, and that was a blessing too. I remember when my wife, Bridget, most of you know her, God put that verse, the harvest is plenty and the workers are few. It was burning in her heart. And of course, like a good husband that I am, I super cheerleader, I said, yes, Bridget, go. You, go, you gotta go there. And, and after the service, I remember both of us going to talk to Jane, a sweet old lady, and Bridget's telling her what, what God had put in her heart to serve and Jane turns to us and says, yes, but I only take couples. I say, oh boy, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm going to have to get involved on this one. And, and that's exactly what happened. We, we, we start to help one year in this children's class, sixth and seventh graders. And then the next year, the, the, old, the, the old couple that was teaching, they left. And Jane trusted us with the class. I had to do a catch-up. On, on my biblical knowledge and, and be ready for, for, to teach those classes. So that really had to do a catch-up. I was being saved a little bit later on in life. But God was gracious to me and he empowered me to understand his word and, and teach the kids. But one class in particular, I remember studying late at night. I said, I'm going to convince every single kid in the class that God has a special plan for them. If they accept it now, they don't have to worry about bullying. They can trust God. And I want every one of them to, be, to understand and, and to be saved. Then suddenly dawned on me that, that God had a special plan for me too. Even though I was already old, I said, wow, God has a plan for me. And I said, wow. But we talk about that. In Jeremiah 29, 11 also tells us about the wonderful plan that God has for us. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Romans 12, 2. See, we don't plan those things, but the Holy Spirit connects us. And that's the prayer that our dear Delton just 
prayed to start the sermon, and I'm, I brought it up in the first service too. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. So God does have a plan for each one of us. A perfect plan. Better than any one of us could possibly imagine. Not only has a plan, God has always a perfect time for everything. Look to the next passage. Now it springs up. I love this word now. I hate waiting. I'm, I'm, th- I'm sure most of us hate waiting too. Waiting on a line. And uh, when God says now, I said, man, let's go. But with the challenge of waiting comes maturity. Comes God molds our heart. We don't see our prayers being answered right away. And sometimes it's yes, but not now. And God keep on molding us. And uh, one thing we need to be very careful is, I also remember when Alan one time, when I realized what, how important the, the, this plan of salvation was, I said, man, I have to leave everything I'm doing and be a pastor. I said, oh, oh, oh wait on, wait, hold on, Walter. To be a pastor is a call. I said, what is a call? And I, I could never get that until later on. It, it's really... For those that are walking with God for a longer time, you're going to feel this sense that if you do not obey, if you do not go that direction, you'll be in disobedience to God. But anyway, Alan hold me back. And, and I, well, the reason I'm telling you this is just for us to just imagine an endeavor for God and say, God, I'm doing your work. Come, follow me and bless me on the way. That's not the way the Bible works. God wants us to be sure and clear that he's leading us. And that's what we want to do. We want, by faith, be following the Lord. We also don't want to upset God with our little faith. Right away comes the story of the ten spies that came back full of fear and said, no, we cannot face those, those giants. <clears throat> Let me tell you, the way I, I perceive this, Jesus was even kind of upset in Matthew 17 to 17. You unbelieving and perverse generation, Jesus replied, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy here to me. So that's definitely God. Jesus is not very happy about this, the little faith of his disciples. We see that also in Matthew 8, 26. He replied, you of little faith... When I first learned that verse in the King James, E of little faith. I didn't even know E was, but you of little faith. How are you so afraid? Then he got up and rebuked the winds and the waves, and it was completely calm. One of the verses, thank you so much, Robert. One of the verses that keeps my faith up is Hebrews 10, 38, 39. My righteous, but my righteous one will live by faith. And I take no pleasure in the one who shrinks back. So when we love Jesus Christ, when we love God, we don't want to displease him. So let's keep up checking our faith. But we do not belong to those who shrink back and are destroyed, but to those who have faith and are saved. God complements also those who have faith. 
We see in Numbers 14, 24, but because of my servant Caleb has a different spirit, different spirit, and follows me wholeheartedly, I'll bring him into the land he went to, and his descendants will inherit it. So God is talking about Caleb's different spirit. It's a spirit of trust in the Lord. It's a spirit that he's available to, to serve God. He's also talking about serving him wholeheartedly. Belonging to God, being a child of God, it's not that we can choose and pick what's in the Word. God wants us all. God wants us everything that's in the Word for us to follow Him wholeheartedly. And trust me, trust the ones that have been following the Lord. There's no regret on it. There's just blessings. For sure, as God matures us, just the fact of being obedient is not exactly that everything is going to be a easy and everything is going to be a, a margi hoses, né? rose oceans. No. <laughs> As we keep going, walking with the Lord, He teaches us that sometimes we, we suffer for Him as Christ suffered in the cross for us. One wonderful thing that we can share here in Calvary is this great cloud of witnesses that we have here. People that surrounded everything they were doing and they gave their life to Christ. Hebrews talks about this great cloud of witnesses. And we are blessed here at Calvary. From the beginning, I felt that. We were sitting right next to those people and walking side by side, taught me of and paying attention to them and watching their faith that really transformed me. But our God wants us to perceive it. Do you not perceive it? He's doing a new thing. Do you not perceive it? This is our involvement. If your answer is no, I don't have a clue what's going on in my life, what God's doing in my life, Maybe you have not met the Jesus of the Bible yet. Maybe you can be coming to church, you believe it, but there is much more than that. Yes, salvation is the beginning. We repent, we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior, but there is much more than that. The Bible calls it sanctification. Through the process, God keeps making us more like Him. Holy, be holy as I am holy. So salvation does accompany sanctification. I remember one time doubting my salvation. I said, well, I, I've done all of that. I confess my sins. I repent. I surrender my life to Christ. But how can I know for sure that I'm saved? So I ask people around and they come with the answer. Yes, I Trust the Lord and I surrender my life to Him. Say, Amen. But really, you can be honest to God. You can be skeptical but honest. Be open for the answer that He has for you. And, and I realized that when I look back, even with a few years of being saved, God was molding me to His likeness. I used to be proud. I used to be arrogant. I used to think that I knew it all. I used to be very easily offended. 
I was a law-abating citizen. I love my country. I love my family. I guess probably my priorities was family, country, work, and God started molding me. So priority one is me. And you can ask my wife. When I look back, I know that I've been transformed. And only by the power of the Holy Spirit. We cannot do that by ourselves. Now, if your answer is no, I'm sorry, if your answer is yes, what are we going to do about it? Are you ready for the roller coaster of the adventures with Christ? First of all, we need to check our hearts. See if there is any sin that is holding us back. And I tell this for myself, and I hope all of you ask this to Jesus too. Lord Jesus, where is it that you want to mold me? Where, where is the sin that is holding me back from knowing the wonderful things you have planned for me? So let's start with that. And also, to any new circumstances, I heard once before from a very devoted man of Christ, I said, we should be as excited when we get a new job and when we are fired. I say, when we fire, yes, God is doing a new thing in your life. Sometimes it's not that easy. But that, that is the attitude that we should have. So let's ask God, what do you have for us to learn with these new circumstances? God's word tells us a few things that we need to keep in mind. <clears throat> First of all, be available. Matthew 6, 36. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Yes, we have a crazy life, but God tells us to seek his kingdom first. Be teachable. Proverbs 1, 5. Be teachable. Proverbs 1, 5. Let the wise listen and add to their learning. We should never stop learning. When we stop learning, it's time to go. Be committed. Christ was committed to the point of death. Have you thought about that? Look. Death on the cross. Luke 22, 42. Father, if you're willing, take this cup from me. Yet, not my will, thy will. He was really committed to the mission that he had on earth for us. This kind of reminded me uh, something that was really impacted me. We went to Jane, uh, Janet Rask's funeral. And I remember Pastor Cullen Rask telling us that one tragedy, tragic time of his life, when he lost his older son, Joe Rass, we know him, and uh, he turned to his dad and said, Dad, what are we going to do? Right away, Pastor Colin Rass said, we're going to keep doing what we're doing, proclaiming the wonderful word of God to those lost souls that are heading to hell. That is a commitment. The worst, probably one of the worst times of his life, he had that commitment in life. Be obedient. If you love me, you obey my teachings. That's very clear, too. If we do love Jesus, we got to keep up in obeying his teachings, his commands. Be diligent. Doing the best that we can with what God put in our hands. So if you believe you have a talent, I heard from a dear loving sister that she had a talent and she was not using it. And right away, God prompted her to use that talent. So that's with us too. We are part of a body. 
The body will keep going. God's will will be fulfilled. But the talents that you, have, you, you brothers and sisters have will be missing in our bodies. Be committed. Be available. Be teachable. Be committed. Be obedient. Be diligent. Galatians 6, 9. Let us not become weary of doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Do not give up. That all seems impossible, doesn't it? We all have a life going on. We have kids. We have business to run. We have jobs. It's not possible by the power of the Holy Spirit. Trust God. We serve the God of the impossible. Look at the next phrase. I'm making a way in the wilderness and stream in the wasteland. Does that look possible to you? Ephesians 3.20. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, God can do anything he wants. We serve the God of the impossible. We should never limit God to what he can do with our puny minds. <laughs> I love one of Pastor Bill's sermons that he was explaining about these missionary couples that were in need of food. Imagine that. God is faithful. So they prayed, and they, they had a list of groceries. Lord, we would like to have potatoes Lord, with these and that. And then they said, well, we'd love to have filet mignon. No, no, no. Ground beef is fine, Lord. And they continue, to, they continue to pray. And then, not later after that, somebody knocks on the door. And Pastor B, if I did something, not exactly that. <laughs> but I, that's what I remember. Not, very, not later on, much later on, this guy comes to the door and knocks. God put in my heart to go and fulfill this grocery list to you. And, and here it is. And, and by the way, I, I grab a, a piece of lamb but then... I, I was imposed to put it back and get ground beef. So, uh, from that day on, I decided only to pray for filet mignon. <laughs> Let's not limit God to what he can do. Our God is not only able, he is also faithful. The wild animals honor me. The jackals and the owls because I provide water in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. Our God is faithful to his creation. These animals don't have to do anything. They, somehow God feeds them. God takes care of them in winter. God is faithful. Imagine how much faithful he is not to his children. This week, as I was praying again and preparing for the sermon, I heard something that really touched me. So it's easy for us to believe in the past. So I believe with all my heart that God created the world with a word. I believe that God split the Red Seas and his peace passed through. I believe all of that. And also believe I'm going to be in heaven. I'm sure I'll be in heaven one day celebrating his goodness to all of those that being his servant here and singing praises. It'll be a wonderful time. I truly believe that. But we have a hard time to believe now. The now is where we need to believe. God can do something in our lives right now. And his faithfulness too shows me that we do not need to fear. I was pondering on that 
And I believe I learned something this morning. See, fear, it's somewhat a good thing. God made in us, he didn't make a mistake. He put fear in us. It's a physiological thing. You fear comes adrenaline. You respond with strength, with faster thinking. So God made fear in us. But over and over, God tells us, do not fear. I am with you. I am your God. So don't I mean, yes, God uses fear so he can test our faith. So when God tells us in the Bible, do not fear, he's also telling us, believe me, have faith, trust me. Imagine if there is no fear. How could our faith be tested? So that was very exciting to me. And uh, all of these good, all of these God has, for, and all of these, God has for a reason and a purpose. Let's see the last phrase of the passage. To give drink to my people, my chosen, the people I formed for myself, that they may proclaim my praise. They may proclaim my praise. He gave drink to his people, my chosen, the people I formed for myself, that they may proclaim my praise. If what we are doing is not for the glory and the honor and the pleasure of God, we are doing for nothing. God is clear here. All of this, we were created in His image to glorify Him. So let's check our hearts and see if we have a different agenda. If it's not to please God, if it's not to honor Him, forget it. I don't want to be a part of it. I want to live my life so the things that I do have eternal consequences. Not only what we can perceive it, but have consequences that God is preparing new things. Uh, what, uh, what I also realize as, as I study and pray over this passage is how wonderful and loving our God is. If you allow me to read the first three verses of it. Isaiah 43, 1 through 43, 3. But now, this is what the Lord says. He who created you, Jacob, who formed you, Israel, do not fear. Do not fear. For I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. We belong to God. When we pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when we pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When we walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. For I am the Lord, your God. That is just a declaration of love of our God to us. How can he possibly love us that much? That's the love that God has for us. I see... Actually, when Alan was promoted to heaven, it was a hard thing for me. It was really hard. Um, I never had anybody close, that close pass away in a family. And a um, close friend like that, really. But actually, God was doing something new in my life. He took my crutch away, crutches away. I, like I said, I tried to get a hold of his friends and to know more about God and didn't work. So God was making me get closer to Jesus. 
and I committed myself to read his word six pages every day without stop. I remember just a couple of times I didn't read. I don't remember when I started, but I remember that I, I didn't read two days. And that was when we, we drove 14 hours to my mother-in-law, and then I read 12 pages the next day. <laughs> but the, the amazing thing about that is a lot of the, the pages that I read had something to do with my daily life. I said, wow, I read something about that. God is that faithful. And to close that, I remember when I finished. I don't remember when I started, but the last six pages I read at Christmas Day. It was really a gift for me. And I'm saying this because I see our church in a very similar situation. God took Alan away from my life. It was an opportunity for me to get closer to Jesus. God took Pastor Nathaniel away. Pastor Nathaniel is following God's call for him. I was very sad when I first heard it. He was a good friend. He's a great pastor. But at the same time, the, 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 the image of Alan came to me. He said, that is a great opportunity for Calvary to grow. We need Jesus. We need to get closer to Jesus. To confirm even that, now God is taking Pastor Beer and Mary away. I know a lot of you are suffering, and so are we. We've been close friends. They've been a blessing. This Bridget mentioned uh, she sat down in the table when the ladies were gathering, and I believe most of the girls in the, in the table, Mary had an impact their lives. So yes, we're going to miss them. But our God is faithful. You not leave us nor forsake us. And we want to make them proud. We want, to, we want God's light stand to stay on Calvary. And for that, if we start by checking our hearts, purifying our hearts, maybe we open a door for God to bring a revival in our church. God to bring a revival in this neighborhood, in Sao Paulo. Let's pray big. God bring a revival in Brazil. Why not? Isn't, God, uh, isn't it possible for our God? Do you believe that? Yes. Amen. And Pastor Bill and Mary and Pastor Nathaniel, just like he said, they pray for us. They're going to be watching that and rejoicing like all the angels in heaven are when we bring new people to Christ. By the way, those of you that are coming now, this is very personal, but I need to tell you that God has a place and a plan for you too. It's very simple. It starts by admitting that we are sinners. Confessing your sin. Repenting and letting Jesus take hold of your life. Like I said, I was very proud. My plan was the best plan. But trust me, the God of the universe, the God that made all things, have a better plan for us. We just need to join him. And that's how I want to finish that. If you forget everything that I said here, please remember this. Our God is a God of new things. He wants us to perceive it and to participate. We can perceive it clearly. God's bringing new people to Calvary. We are searching a new pastor. Imagine the new pastor being sitting here. We already interviewed, so I don't know. Maybe he's here. Wouldn't that be excited for the new pastor to see? We, 
we want to move on. We want, we're not going to be held by the past. That's not what God teaches. That's not what our Pastor B. Mary taught us, the Pastor Nathaniel taught us. No way. They want us to pursue God's will for our lives. So, if anything, please don't forget that. Our God is the God of new things. He wants us to perceive it, and He wants us to participate. Let us pray. Oh, Heavenly Father, you, you are so good to us, Lord. You're a God that gives us new chances. And here's one of them, Lord. We perceive it. Bring your spirit into our church, into each one of our lives, and start by purifying our hearts, Lord. It takes each one of us, each children of yours, to understand that we need to, we need to prepare ourselves for what you have new for us. We need to consecrate ourselves to the new things. I remember Pastor Bill once saying that he was in search for a new wife. And you told him clearly, I already have the godly wife for you. But you yourself prepare to be the godly husband I want you to be. So Lord, help each one of us, Lord, to be in love with you, in passion to proclaim your word. And Lord, help us to be, have the patience and the wisdom to, to see where you are leading us. Pray all of these in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.